Live across the greatest city known to man, from Altona to Abbotsford. From, from inside the Melbourne Club to outside and into the Bentley, it's Howie and the Moon Man. And of course me, Malcolm, the Prime Minister. The Winter Breakfast on Triple M. I had to clear up a cold case before I came to work today. Uh, Rupert, my Labradoodle, crossed with a spoodle, had obviously had an upset tummy during the night Ooh. and uh, went into the back room. It's like, oh, okay. So I thought maybe, I, I tested the temperature of it with my finger. I thought, yeah, that's freezing cold. That's an overnighter. What uh, type of dog you got? It's a Labradoodle crossed with a spoodle. Is that an actual dog? They're a dangerous some breed. Genetic They're a genetic freak of a thing. Well, what it is, is it, it, it is... Well, not a genetic freak, but it's genetically engineered for the leafier suburbs. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you've got your cavoodles, your groodles. Uh, what, what about the old Kelpie cross out that way? Well, they shed too much on right. the uh, expensive furniture. So, so that's they why shed too much and your one doesn't shed else too much. Yeah, well, he, he's got a bit of a, a sensitive stomach. Obviously, he didn't get foie gras last no, night or, no. or oysters. It's <laughs> like, I'm not, I'm not, I can't keep these giblets down, science diet. <laughs> I'm concerned how we're going to roll in here this morning because the great anchor that runs this whole operation, Rosie, her magnificent ute broke down this mm. morning. So she is out with the RACV at the moment. We are going in a la the Cats Without Dangerfield, Selwood or Hawkins. MJ, our producer, is panelling. We had our issues yesterday. I think we'll struggle mm. to get to air for three hours today. Well, uh, MJ had to do some patching up in the newsroom, so uh, he knows how to make <laughs> a crystal set. On the way here, uh, I, I rode my motorbike and uh, going around the lake, I passed Rosie's ute. Mm. And uh, I thought, that's Rosie's ute. Uh, WB ute. I think it's got a statesman front on it. Of course it does. Um, and, uh, and a bull bar. And... I couldn't see Rosie anywhere, but immediately I thought she could jump on the back, even though I don't have a helmet, we can safely travel. And the song that popped into my head, unfortunately, was Two Little Boys oh. by uh, our friend Rolf Harris. That is it's unfortunate. Not a, you do not want any Rolf Harris tracks popping into your head <laughs> first is, thing in the morning. That is, that so I was... I was having a bit of a laugh behind the helmet as I got my way around. I was like, oh, you don't want to be singing that. Well, whoever the RACV bloke is that will be listening to the Winter Breakfast at the moment, get there and get that sorted because we need Rosie. A nice day for you yesterday. How did you go with your first breakfast shift? The alarm is early. Let's be completely uh, it, it is early, but uh, no, I was fine. Uh, I banked some sleep over the weekend. It was a fairly, fairly quiet weekend. And last night uh, I had a gig for the Vic Bus Association Maintenance um, conference and trade show. Wow, she's an exciting evening out there. Oh, no, they, <laughs> terrific audience. Because what were they called? The, who? the Vic Bus. So it's all it's small companies, small bus companies. Right. And they're all under the banner of Vic Bus. And they were all started as drivers and uh, then, you know, have gone on to have a, a bus company of, you know, 10, 15 coaches. So, Bunch so, of very, uh, you know, down-to-earth people that love a great laugh and got some great material out of them. Very sorry for all you guys who work in maintenance. Uh, my condolences for the safety battens put up on the Montague Street Bridge. <laughs> do you go and I with... love the Montague Street Bridge material. Do, they, do you go with bus jokes? I did a bit of bus work. Uh, how much I loved getting on the Ventura and greeting Peter Brown. <laughs> our bus driver when we out in Bayswater, and this is serious, if you were the, the last kid on the bus, he wouldn't stop at the bus stop, he'd take you home. Would he? He would stop outside your house. 
you get off the bus. Hello, I've got my own bus, Mum and Dad. Doesn't happen Thanks, these Peter. days. Yeah, they'd be locked up or lose their licence or something. You know, trans dev would strip them of their credentials. I uh, I got home yesterday and my five-year-old son, the big penguin. Um, Why the big penguin? Well, he woke up when he was two and a half one day. His name is Mac. He right. woke up when he was two and a half and he said, Dad, I've changed my name. I said, what do you change it to? And he said, big penguin. <laughs> right, guys, okay, so but, you rolled but, with it. But not penguin. And for a while, there no. it had to be big penguin. Big so penguin. Quite, seriously, but his typical response. He's 17 now and he still <laughs> loves it. <laughs> no, he's kicked on to five, but he still rolls as the big penguin. We get home. I get home. And I, what do you want to do today, mate? Because he's on holidays. He's first lot of school mm. holidays. Um, and his response is always the same. Dad, I think we should play cricket, then soccer, then footy, then golf, then go for a bike ride, go for a skateboard, have a surf, go to the golf driving range and maybe look for golf balls as well. Right. <laughs> it's like when you've got up at 4am, it's a pretty consistent day. Where do you start with that? Is it straight out to the driving range? <laughs> no, you start at cricket right. and you work your way through the front door of the front um, yard activities and then you move off to the driving range and then you take the ones that need equipment, which is the skating and the surfing. But you've yep. got to remember, he's come off 7pm uh, till 8am. He's knocked out 13 hours. Yeah. I'd done MotoGP the night before and had three hours. So, so at about the fourth activity, I started to struggle a little bit with the penguin. <laughs> you weren't seeing it very well. No. <laughs> no. So do you have, get a surf in most days? How? Yeah, whenever there's waves, we do. We took him oh. yesterday. He's cold. He was cold, but he's a penguin, so he tells yeah. me I'm you okay. Should get him a, you should get him a wetsuit. <laughs> <laughs> he's only five. He doesn't need one yet. Moon Man. A serious story has come to light on the mm. front page. I'm actually surprised it's on the front page of both pages, uh, both papers about Ali Fu'ur, the AFL diversity manager who was involved in a game of footy, plays footy in the Northern League. Yes, he uh, was playing Whittlesey. He was playing Whittlesey and he struck in a, uh, a melee. There's video of it. I'm sure everybody's seen it. An opposition player by the name of Dale Saddington, a 33-year-old who suffered concussion. Uh, he will face the tribunal in that particular league. He's had a couple of issues already in recent times. He was rubbed out for three matches after being found guilty of striking in West Preston Lakeside. Lost to McLeod in round three, and back in two thousand round three this year. Round three this year, and back so in fall. So back in two thousand and twelve, I do recall this particular instance. He was charged with misconduct after leaving the playing field and tangling with a spectator. It was um, well, there's only one way of describing it. It was a a, a thug style situation on a footy field. It happens in footy. I don't know why it happens in footy. Blokes are going out to have a kick, not to have their head lifted off their shoulders, but it's a uh, it's a pretty nasty one. And due to his position mm -hmm. in the AFL and the AFL's position in the community, um, I think everything's going to come down on Ali like a ton of bricks, to be honest. Yes, last night we heard a tearful uh, and remorseful um, deposition by Ali. And uh, the fact that he's on the front of the papers suggests that, you know, there's a real spotlight on this. Uh, Gillan McLaughlin is currently watching the Tour de France overseas. As we know, it goes through three nations, which we can't name. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> and uh, so he'll make a decision on Ali's future. Um, Jake Nile uh, for Fox Sports says that the AFL must give Ali Fayor the red card. The standards that the governing body demands of clubs and players make it untenable of Fayor to remain in his role as the diversity manager. And one would think that that's fair enough comment too. Uh, Jake goes on to say the Fayor case thus represents a kind of ironic inversion for the AFL uh, as the, it's, he's behaved appallingly on the field and must be accountable for his dangerous behaviour. Then there's an interesting connection made by Jake Nile. Mm. Fayor's brother, Ahmed, 
well-connected in AFL circles and having held senior positions at OzPost and NAB. And NAB and uh, NAB now one of the big sponsors of the AFL. Yeah, right. Might explain why Ali Fayol's on the front of both papers. Not only is he an AFL official and uh, he, he's, you know, brought himself, his club and his organisation into disrepute, uh, but he's very well connected too. Now that... Jake is saying should have zero influence on how the AFL deals with such an appalling act. I'm saying it shouldn't. He's probably enjoyed the benefit of those connections to get where he is. And that should be brought to, you know, the foreground like I've just done. I mean, it's, it's about, you know, who you fish with as well, mate. And uh, you have, to coin a phrase, you have shat the bed uh, and you've got to get out of it. You're done, mate. What, what, it's over. Okay, in your opinion, then, what does get out of it mean? Well, he he can't work for the AFL. You don't think so? No, not with that rap sheet. Uh, already been rubbed out once this year. Goes into the crowd, doesn't mind getting involved in the melee. Obviously has some you know temper and anger issues. You can't be around the AFL. You've got to go and find a job elsewhere. I know, Malmesbury... Youth Detention so, Centre. Okay, so it, because of where he works, so say he worked at uh, yes, uh, Southern Cross Osterio here, for instance, and it came out, would you expect him to get removed from Southern Cross Osterio? It's because of the fact that he works for the AFL. No, it's because of the fact that he works for the AFL. I mean, he's working in diversity, which is, uh, you know, not related, but related. You know, you've got to be talking to kids, encouraging them into football to say this is a safe environment this is an environment where you can develop your skills and also develop relationships and develop yourself as a person and he's kind of not ticking all the boxes what about the criteria is not there what about being given a second chance or after these incidents a third chance no no i reckon i, I think that probably you know running towards a melee knocking a bloke out if it was a one-off and uh, it was in the heat of the moment which it wasn't there's, you know, premeditated steps there too. So I, I, and I don't want to be seen to be piling on, but of course I am because everyone would be of the same opinion that had any sense really that Ali, you have to step down from your position. Don't make the AFL sack you. Walk away. So at least that's tidy. He spoke about it yesterday. He was pretty tearful about it too, Ali Fayol. On Saturday afternoon, I was playing local football for my club, West Preston Lakeside. And I struck a player from the opposition team during a melee on the field. I accepted a two-match suspension on Saturday afternoon and rang my manager at the AFL, Andrew Dillon, on my way home from the football match. The incident has now been referred to the Northern Football League's tribunal, which will sit on Wednesday night. I'm deeply ashamed of my actions. There is no explanation or excuse. So you think we're beyond what happens on the field, stays on the field? Oh, yeah. Now we are. And particularly in the last two weeks with Basha Hooley and uh, Jed Lamb and more recently Thomas Bug against Callum Mills. It's obviously, you know, it's the hot topic at the moment. Plus the AFL and particularly Gillian McLaughlin is someone that wants to stop on-field punches. And so it's, you know, it's in your camp, Gillian. This is a bloke at head office. Uh, it, puts you know, the AFL in a really, it puts the AFL in a really difficult position, mm. I think. Um, oh, not really difficult. It's a very clear cut. You're pretty black and white, aren't yeah, you? Yeah, absolutely on this one. And I am I am very forgiving because on the footy field, I didn't mind a bit of that, you know, and uh, you give and take. 
But considering his position, considering his rap sheet, uh, I'm putting the black cap on to the gallows alley. Yeah, I think you'll be uh, amongst the majority with those actual thoughts. And, you know, I hope that uh, it doesn't overly affect him for too long. Pick up, move well, on. Well, hang but on, mate. Hang on. If, you, if you're saying he should be removed from his job... Yeah, go that, and get another job. That, that's going right. to affect him. Right. Well, it's not going to be easy to walk into another position when you've come out of a media firestorm, and it will be a media firestorm like that. Okay, that's true enough. But if he resigns from his job... Uh, yeah, okay. It's difficult to go to your next uh, job interview. Why did you resign from your job, Ali? Well... Listen, I don't think it was for me to tell you the truth. <laughs> yeah, I love he, diversity. He won't have that. But I hate choice. the opposition. He won't have that choice of no. explaining because the entire state will know who he is and what he's done. So what happens? What do, what do you you know? You are Ali Fayou today. What do you do? Do you take three weeks holiday on the Gold Coast? I think that's what I try and do. I think I approach is it the, the goldie AFL. for you? I, I think I try and approach the AFL and say, listen, I'm incredibly remorseful. I've done the wrong thing. I expect to get a full whack from the tribunal. I'll stop playing footy. Mm. I won't play footy anymore because obviously there's something that happens on the footy field that yeah, doesn't why, work out for why me. Lied fever, we I'm going to stop like. playing footy. Um, I'm going to stand myself down for a month, which is partly to be seen to be doing the right thing, to be completely frank with you. Mm. I'll stand myself down for a month. Can I keep my job? And then see how it goes from there. And standing yourself down just means walking away till the dust settles. Absolutely. Removing yourself from the firestorm. Right. Have you ever had to stand yourself down in a firestorm? No. <laughs> caught, caught doing something that would bring the network into disrepute, Howie. No, but you're, you know what? You're a clean skin. It's only 23 minutes past six and we're on <laughs> yeah. till nine. Rosie is back in the studio. I'm back. Hello. What is wrong with the vehicle that you roll around in, Rose? Uh, my beautiful 1980 WB Ute ain't so beautiful this morning. Uh, got her to Lakeside Drive uh, at Albert Park, as Lawrence, you said mm. that you saw, and uh, realised that she wasn't going to go into any gear at all. Reverse, neutral, drive. So basically, with pure will and luck, I was able to push it into Lakeside Drive so it wasn't on the main road. Not push it off into a lot of cyclists, wanted to push it into the lake. Right. But it's a very bu busy cycling morning, Howie. So I was doing a lot of, sorry, sorry, as what? the tow truck came to take her away. Uh, Little now, beastie's not happy. Just very happy that I uh, got the car right. It's a WB with a statement front. front. Thank, Thank you, you very much. And Bulba. Mm. Um, now, what sound did it make when it came to a grinding halt? Could you? Did uh, it go? Clink, <laughs> No, it was more of a sort of a, it just didn't, it didn't just know what to do. So the, so the engine's turning over. There was a smell over. that wasn't great either. Right. Mm. Sounds like, so sounds like gearbox? your gearbox, yeah. Okay. That's, your uh, transmission is gone. That's yeah. a couple of grand, Rose. I well, wouldn't say. I, I got the car seven years ago yeah. and I took it to a mechanic down in Port Melbourne who said to me, nah, engine's gone. Uh, you have to buy a new one. Hadn't. Still going. So okay, up right. yours, Mr. Um, Port Melbourne, and I'm taking it to Mr. Huntingdale. Adam, thank you very much. I've texted him. Well, it's on the way. Huntingdale, it's a good area. If you tell it's us a good the area garage, for we'll mechanics and transmission. In and out motors. In and out motors. There you go. It's already down to a thousand. What was it, what was it called? In and out motors. <laughs> in and out motors, Huntingdale. Thank you, Adam. Adam, the best operator in Melbourne, isn't he? It's down <laughs> yes. to 250 now. I just love it. In and out motors. <laughs> 100. You come in. We go out? Well, how does that <laughs> I don't know. But all of a sudden. You're in and you're out. All of a sudden, they'll give you a check when oh, you arrive there. Right. Adam, Adam, uh, I love you, Adam. Hello, Adam. This Adam. half hour brought to you by In-N-Out Motors oh, Huntingdale. Down at Huntingdale. <laughs> My partner, Kim, is at home. He doesn't know that this has happened yet. Oh, He's yeah. off crook today. I took the car. That went oh. well. So good morning, Kim. Hope you're feeling well. Yeah. 
Now, unfortunately, Nick Kyrgios and the rest of the Australians that had a crack at Wimbledon last night, Lawrence, are all out. Nick Kyrgios had to uh, pull out injured after he was in a fair bit of trouble in the game sense. Mm. Uh, this is what he had to say. I kind of knew that I was in trouble. Um, I've been feeling my hip ever since I fell over at Queen's and I never really got it right. I was doing everything I could um, to, to help it, but obviously just not enough time. But, yeah, I mean... I just wasn't 100%. And, you know, nothing to take away from him. He plays he plays great grass court tennis. He serves well, so he's um, he's going to do well. It wasn't different. I thought I could win. Um, uh, obviously, probably not against him, but I mean, for some opponents, if I had played them today, I probably still could have won. But it was, uh, I mean, obviously, it was. I could feel it a lot. It was hindering my performance a lot. 65 minutes in, and he was trailing 6-3, 6-4 against Pierre Hughes-Hubert. Like Wimbledon itself, they've come to the end of the line. That's exactly right. Mm. And uh, I tell you what, a man that's dominating, he's just got back from the Confederations Cup, I believe, after seeing Germany have a win over there. Fox Sports 5 every night, Wimbledon coverage exceptional. Uh, Adam Peacock, my man. Hello, Guru. How are you, uh, Moonman? How are we? I'm very well, Adam. Of course, I'll refer to you as Captain Peacock in deference to <laughs> Are You Being Served. <laughs> So, good morning to you, Captain. <laughs> now, what happened to Nick Kyrgios? On the file at four, I don't know. Uh, Nick, oh, I'm free. <laughs> I've, uh, I don't know, boys. I mean, the last four Grand Slams, he's, he's basically um, he's flipped out because of his body. It's not up to scratch. And he, he said, interesting, when he got absolutely panned by Andy Murray here last year on centre court, got embarrassed um, in straight sets. He said after yet, I know what I need to do. I need to sit down, get my body right, prepare properly, just whether or not I want to put myself through it. It was pretty obvious 12 months on that he hasn't exactly put himself through it. Um, twice he's had to retire with the hip injuries. He did the US Open last year here at Wimbledon. And the other two times he's kind of got a bit negative or a, a bit unsafe in his own mind because he's not sure about his body and whether or not he'll hold up in matches. And, and he lost those two matches at the Australian Open French Open. So, yeah, it's, it's square one stuff with me. I don't know what he does from here on in, because if he doesn't put in, I, I think these things are going to happen um, more regularly than not, unfortunately. It's frustrating. I noticed uh, Ad, uh, John McEnroe saying if he wanted to coach one bloke, Nick Curios is it. He said he's got the physical game, he's got the strength, he's got all the shots, he's such a wonderful skilled player, but obviously comes down to the mental side of things. But are you putting this in the mental basket, or if the bloke's got a bung hip, the bloke's got a bung hip? I put it in the... It's the whole package. So you prepare well, you get yourself right physically, mentally, you're fresh, you know you can run through barriers that you couldn't run through before. So I think it's the whole package. Um, you can, speaking of Bryce Becker, there's not one of these ex-famous players that are now coaching that would not would hang up on Nick Kyrgios if he called them up and said, can you coach me? If he was prepared to buy in. Bryce Becker thinks we should give him a bit more time. He's still very young. And interestingly enough, Bryce Becker was the same kind of Thing. He was winning Grand Slams when he was 17. He was a, he was a man-child. He won um, Wimbledon when he was 17, 18, and then a couple of years later as well. Um, but every move he made, like Nick in Australia, was scrutinised and criticised, etc., etc. He says that you've just got to give him a bit more time and you'll get the hang of it. Um, of course, in Australia, we're not so sure, but it's interesting observation from a legend like Pepe who's looking outside in. Yep, you can hear Boris Becker too at 8pm every night on the Daily Serve on Fox Sports 5. I'll get to your man Boris Becker in a moment because he's an interesting character. Now, Venus Williams, uh, unfortunately, or unfortunately is not the right word, I guess, Ad, she's been involved in more recent times 
um, in a fatal car crash where a 78-year-old man was killed and she's facing a wrongful death lawsuit. She was asked about it post her win last night. This is what Venus had to say. There are really no words to describe like how devastating and, yeah, I'm completely speechless and it's just... Like any road incident or road trauma accident ad, this is a, a tragic story. Um, what's the background on it? Yeah, this is pretty heavy stuff. It's pretty heavy for 6.40 in the morning on a, on a base on a triple land, but I'll, yeah. I'll quickly go through it. Um, she, she was involved in a, a situation where she was in an intersection and, and a car, and she was caught in the intersection on a red light, and a car came from another direction and basically just T-boned into her. Um, Allegedly, this is what really reports that has happened. And a passenger in that car that was coming the other direction has actually subsequently passed away, an elderly gentleman. Um, so it's it's just a horrible situation. The whole story um, is, is just sad. And, and today, to, to watch someone like Venus Williams, who has done so much for tennis and herself as well, um, she's a bit of an aloof character, I'd, I'd say, but she's pretty well respected by those that really know her, more than respected love. Um, to see her go through something like that, that was, that, that was harsh. She, she actually finished the press conference there and then and then came back 10 minutes later, composed herself, and then the journalists were kind of told, hey, guys, can you, you lay off the questions about what's going on? Let's kind of keep it to tennis. And they respected that fair enough as well. But um, it, it's just a, yeah, it's a, one of those stories that doesn't have many winners, and it was, it was hard to watch, and it's a very unfortunate situation all around by looking at it. And just before we let you go, we already ran through that the other Australians, uh, Ash Barty, got beaten last night and a couple of other Australians. But you, you're working with Boris Becker, 8pm every night on the Daily Serve. Yeah. Now, I just noticed he'd had a bit of a bankruptcy situation. Uh, how much are you selling out there at Fox Sports just to keep him uh, <laughs> able to operate in London? I'm, uh, I'm keeping it professional, Harry. <laughs> I'm not bringing up um, anything like that. I, I, I've got to... Honestly, I've got too much respect for the guy to, to, to even bring up that. He's obviously going through a tough situation because it, whether this is a, a right story or a wrong story, whatever has happened, he's just been hammered by the tabloids over here. He's been papped, he's followed. You reckon the AFL boys get papped and followed and have a rough time of it and door stop getting out of the car park with your cool beanie on as you go to training? Well, Boris has just been hounded. But, um, yeah, give him a bit of space. We'll just talk about the tennis. and he, He's a good guy and he knows so much about the sport and it's just, Bit of a, I know it sounds like a bit of a carry on, but a um, bit of a privilege to sit some, next to someone like that and just grill them about. Like tonight, we're going to ask him about Novak Djokovic and his time with him because Novak's playing tonight. Yeah. We'll catch that one on Fox. Um, to be fascinating to get that insight. I, I, mate, I, I can understand that it's a privilege to sit next to him. I'm just sort of thinking, Moo, man, when, when Adam takes Boris out for a coffee, obviously Adam's having a spring for the whole situation. Well, yeah, the he's got a spring for the coffee. I'll and also, I'll get it. I'll you'd get throw out the palimony situation too, wouldn't you? The, oh, now, the broom cupboard. Come on, I don't I'd want to know that story. The broom come on. Cupboard, do we, mate? I've got to revisit the broom cupboard. Adam, we appreciate your time. I was hoping to have you on a couple of times over the next couple of weeks. I don't want to know weeks, about Djokovic. But... I want to know what happened in the broom cupboard. <laughs> Hopefully, it takes me to know them. Well, uh, yeah, anyway. Well, keep an eye for it. Ask that question in the Daily Surf tonight at 8 pm, mate. I uh, look forward to speaking. I hope you over the next couple of weeks enjoy Wimbledon, mate. You're a star. 
All good, guys. Have a good morning. Thanks, Captain. Great to speak to Adam Peacock. I don't think you need to bring up the broom cupboard. For those that aren't aware, that are listening, thinking, what's the broom cupboard? You need to very quickly explain it now. Well, uh, there was a, a service staff member of a hotel that uh, apparently had a dalliance with... Um, Mr. Becker. With Mr. Becker in the broom cupboard. Uh, was Became pregnant as a result and took a palimony suit out against him and took some money from Mr. Becker to raise their child. Now it is there's it's open to a whole lot of supposition about how she was impregnated, whether it was a, a the natural way or whether she took the spermatozoa and did something else with it. You just don't know what's going to happen in life these days. Well, do you? broom cupboards. Uh, it's dark. It's a, dusty. Anything can happen. A thirty-five second tryst and yeah, absolutely. Wow, we. Probably cost him 10 mil. <laughs> anyway, Jason and who Bennett. who knows, it might have been worth it, but uh, I would certainly, if I'd had a couple of, you know, Jägermeisters with Barry, I'd go, tell me what happened in the broom cupboard. Nine, nine. You Ick. might see it on Fox Sports tonight yeah. when our man Adam asked him that very question. Moon, something's come across my desk that I need to bring to your attention. A release from the Australian Federal Police. Good. I worked with the Australian Federal Police for a while. Closely. As a customs officer for did six really? years. Of course I did. I was seconded to them when I was a drug detector dog handler in 1987, 88, 89. So now, Don't think you know me, Mark Well, Howard. when you say things like this, is this true or not? Of course it is. Right. Yeah. And you were just too funny for the police force or not funny enough? I was a customs officer, Australian Customs Service. Did you ever bust any big deals? Everyone asks me, you know, did you find a lot of drugs as a customs officer? And my pat response is, I found a lot more as a comedian than I ever did as a customs officer. <laughs> Very nice. Well, the Australian Federal Police, your good friends put out a release 14 hours ago mm. saying, a nice little headline to start, have you misplaced a lazy $1.6 million in cash? Question mark. Of course, there's a queue around the block saying, yeah, I've lost a <laughs> suitcase full of cash. We're looking for the person that left the sum of money behind at a property at Wetherill Park, New South Wales. Our officers at a warehouse were investigating a suspected drug importation when they found this stash of cash. Now, the Australian Federal Police said they've kicked off a court process to have it listed as unclaimed cash. But... This is the kicker. If you reckon the cash is yours, yes. we'd be very keen to speak to you oh. in brackets. And by speak with you, we definitely mean to ask you where you got a suitcase full of cash from. We have a sneaking suspicion this isn't your average pay packet. Oh, so if, the cops are having a bit of a laugh here. Well, they are. They're, They're saying, taunting someone. If you own this money or know someone who does, please contact Crime Stoppers. Hashtag more money, more problems. No, actually, they've hashtagged more money, have. more problems. <laughs> they have. So they've done a little bit of audio blackface there too. So, well, they, so they've found 1.6 in cash and they're saying we need to give it back to the rightful owner. However, if you're the rightful owner, you need to explain how you got 1.6 in cash. Which is nice because they know that someone would be very desperate. I've seen the wire and when the cash doesn't come back, it's like, where is my cash? Mofo. That's a and big freaking suitcase. $1.6 million worth of cash. Somebody would be wanting that quite badly. We were having a chat this morning about uh, finding money. So give us a call, one triple three five three on the Triple M Bowman hotline. One triple three five three. If you found money, how much have you kept? Would you keep it? Have you given it in? What and did you do with it? Yeah, because I if I found a suitcase full of cash like that, I'd keep it for a couple of days. I'd walk around it. I'd look at it, I'd think about ramifications, and then I would definitely keep it and spend it spend it very slowly. I'm not buying something massive with that cash. I don't want people to think he's got a load of cash. It's just, you know, just slowly feed it back into the system. 1.6. 
a, a smaller a smaller After Francois, <laughs> dad at Rockpool. Cash, Mooney's been at Rockpool every night this week. <laughs> and he's driving a Ferrari, yeah. which he purchased yeah. in cash. Um, I, I don't like to bring this up, but the producer of this show, should I name him or not? You said MJ. MJ. Well, let's just say MJ brought up a, we were discussing in our pre-show meeting that lasts all of an hour and a half. If you believe that, you believe anything. Um, now, I want to say, before we get to MJ's story, yes. you condemned MJ and I was completely understanding of MJ's position. MJ was at Coles. Mm. You know those little uh, automated check-in, check-outs oh. now? MJ. Well, he's self-checking out. Yep. He bought his um, usual uh, gear down there at Coles. And then as he was leaving. <laughs> What's his usual gear? Well, I don't know what he buys down Tube there. Tube of lubricant. Oh, I don't know. <laughs> it's a plaid wrap. <laughs> but uh, someone. A couple of Lebanese cucumbers. Someone had left $30 in change. In the Coles machine. Now, our man MJ was faced with a moral dilemma. Do I be a good bloke and put my hand up and say, whose money is this? Mm. Or do I be a little weasel and take the money? (gasps) And my man, the little weasel, took the cash. I won't have weasel. What he did, what MJ did, (laughs) was he saw $30 and he thought, "There's uh, there's a duopoly in this country. There's a gouging, multi, you know, huge corporation. Do I win one back for the little guy? Or do I let it go into consolidated revenue to feed the fat cats their massive bonuses? I know and what he did was down, down, prices are down for MJ. Well, <laughs> you, you went that Ali Fayol should lose his job. I'm of the same opinion about Michael James. No, I'm saying if you are a Triple M employee and you win back one for the little guy, he should, he should be promoted. Head office for MJ. Liz from Somerton, tell us, how much did you find and what did you do with it? It was $65, and there was no one but myself and the money down the aisle in a chemist warehouse, mm. and I went and picked it up and paid for my prescriptions with it. Absolutely. Why wouldn't you? So you've, you've put it back into the system, essentially. Absolutely. It's better in my pocket than the government. <laughs> did, did you have any guilt at all, Liz? Not at all. Now, Howie always uh, plays out the scenario. Uh, of course, some elderly pensioner dropped that, and it was her last 65 exactly for a right. rheumatoid arthritis prescription, and Liz has deprived some old lady of pain relief. Who's Is now, that it? Who's now sleeping on a bench <laughs> as right. a result of Thank, Liz's actions. Thank you. It did cross my mind, but there was no one else in the store. I went and looked down the other four or five aisles, right. and it was just me and the cash and the people serving behind the counter, and I just went, yep, perfect opportunity. Oh, well, you yeah. made an effort, Liz, so we can appreciate that. Thank and you, the, to Liz. The pensioner had made, a, made good her escape. Hugo from Caroline Springs, what did you find, and uh, what did you do with it? Well, I was driving on the freeway on the Calder uh, one cold night, and, of course, I noticed a whole lot of money, what looked like money, coming down towards the car. Oh. I slowed down, and of course, I've noticed they look like pineapples, and I thought someone's playing a joke. Slowed down a bit more, looked very real. It was a bit bit of a scene. Everyone's slowing down. I kept driving. And in my mind, I'm thinking, oh, you know, I don't want to be the guy that's collecting all this money that some kid's thrown off a bridge and, you know, be part of a joke. The next morning, and I'm telling you, know, telling my wife, because actually we were getting married a month later, and we were considering going back. Anyways, as it happens, the next morning, it was all over the radio station. This was about five years ago that there was money that was actually getting thrown off that bridge. They don't know how and where. The only thing they could link it to was that there was a robbery in some warehouse that they believed might, it might have been where it came from. 
but to this day, I don't know where and what happened to it. Nice one, Hugo. Um, it's raining cash off yeah. a bridge on the Calder. And a nice little crisp 23-minute story from Hugo from Carolyn Springs <laughs> as well, just just to keep us on track. Al's on the line from Broadmeadows. Nice to sit around the fire with Hugo. G'day, Al. How are you going? Good, fellas. How are you going? Now, tell us your story about finding cash. Mate, it actually wasn't me. It was a mate of mine bought an old uh, VW Beetle and he mm. ripped it all the carpet out to, to, do, to renovate it. And he f- it cost him four hundred and fifty bucks. He found four hundred in the old paper twenties in an envelope, <laughs> shoved underneath the carpet, so the car cost him fifty bucks. <gasps> Result. Wow. Result. It was. Yeah, it's uh, that's that, that's great stuff. Well, there's a comedy. I'm happy with that. Story. There's money hidden all over this. This this town. A very famous Australian. Where do you golfer. hide your money? I don't have any. For all your cashies. <laughs> Come on, mate. <laughs> very famous Australian golfer was cleaning out his sock drawer one day. This is a true story. Right. And found eleven thousand dollars that he'd placed there some time prior and had forgotten about it. I won't That's name the nice. golfer, but uh, I don't do yeah. cashies. What about you? Where's yours go? Straight to the bottle shop. Straight to <laughs> beer wine spirits. Which we need to discuss <laughs> at some stage. Chris is on the line from Bayswater. G'day, Chris. Get him out of your gun. Good, brother. Where'd you find some cash? All right, so I'm going to set it up a little bit. So okay. I used to park at the uh, the Metropole in uh, St Kilda, so I work nearby. Right. And one particular afternoon, I was coming back, and um, we all know what uh, St Kilda and particularly Grey Street are known for. Yes. Um, oh. And I saw Colourful a bloke in a, <laughs> saw a bloke and a female coming out of the car park, looking very. They satisfied with themselves. Right. Um, so I've gone in to go back to my car, and as I'm walking through, I find a uh, fifty-dollar note on the ground, nicely folded up, like mm. it's been in somebody's pocket. Mm, right. So I'm guessing it was, um, you know, payment for services rendered. Well, that's what I'm going with anyway. So did you did you chase after the practitioner and say, "Excuse me, doctor, you've uh, <laughs> you've left your fee behind." No, no, got a tissue out of my pocket, picked it up, mm, uh, went good. to the nearest servo and got 10 bucks of fuel so I could get two twenties. Did you hand it over still holding it in a tissue? <laughs> yeah, I did. I, just, I did. I just played it off like I'd accidentally grabbed the tissue as well. <laughs> Nicely done, uh, Chris. There you go. So it seems that we're a uh, pretty dishonest society. I think there's the wrap. Where, where do you stand on someone ripping off a sex worker for 50 bucks hard earned? Um, I think that's pretty hard-earned, so I would track down a aforementioned worker and say, yeah. here's your hey, 50. Hey. Yeah, here's your 50. But I'm a nice fella, I'm, as opposed to some of the other people in this studio that... Well, what about you, Rose? Would you take it? I love a moral dilemma. Uh, I wouldn't take it off that practitioner in St Kilda. I mm. would make sure that that was back to her because that's a very difficult life. But um, I have picked up a, a small wad of cash on Chapel Street when I was riding my bike down there one day. How much is a small wad? Come on. 150. Oh, 150. Rosie. That's good. Did you make any effort to try and find the owner? Yeah, looked around. Shame reckon, on well, you. Well, what do you do with 150 bucks? You've got to put it straight in if the If I didn't rocket. do it, somebody else, Moon Man, would have come behind me. Just imagine. Yeah. This all came about from the 1.6 the Australian Federal Police found. Imagine if you're the person that owns this money. You are torn. You mm. want to go and get that money, but no one's got that amount of money for it. You have You've got, got some guns. heavy tattoos on your neck and you are frothing at the mouth. It's like, <laughs> oh, me 1.6. Nick Rewalt soon to join us. Maddie's match, Richmond versus St Kilda, this Saturday at Etihad Stadium. 
Matty Rewalt's vision, the website is www.mrv.org.au. If there was a bit, little bit of noise at the beginning of that segment, it was Tom from Tom and Ollie. Mm, good show, uh, too. It is a great show. The boys have come from the country, come to town and made good. Uh, Tom, just get on the mic there. Uh, what are you doing here? What are you, um, why are you, why are you, you're working nights and yep. you're coming in for breakfast? Moonlighting, so to speak. Right. Moon man. Yep. Uh, possibly taking over Rosie, giving her a bit of a, a sleep and a bit of a break. Well, Rosie deserves a holiday. Everyone else just nicks off to Europe. Rosie's just trudging on through. See how we go. Yeah. Uh, have you got a ute? And does it and does it, Will it work? Will it break down on the way to work? And when news doesn't work, can you give them one of the great all-time sprays? Oh, yeah. Because that's in Rosie's. Uh... That's in the wheelhouse, isn't it? So, have you got to? Be, how do you get around town, Tom? Oh, I've got a really brilliant, beautiful Hyundai Getz. Oh, manual, right? It's brilliant. It's wow. so good. So you should be driving Uber as well. <laughs> and you know it's not. You should be sharing that beautiful ride with somebody. <laughs> you know it's not Movember at the moment, don't you, mate? Yeah, this is my permanent Movember collection, yeah. just above my top wow. lip here. You should yeah. be opening the bowling for Australia in the nineteen seventy-five <laughs> series, I reckon. Well, I'm not a sports guy, so that's just gone over my head. But you're a funny guy. Well, I'm enjoying Tom and I. Uh, he's just a guy. Hopefully, yeah, he's just a guy. guy. Just he's a guy, guy making good. <laughs> hey, now, as I said, we've got Nick Rewald on. Now, Nick Rewald was involved in an incident. For those that aren't aware, the Saints were taking on Freo on the Sunday Twilight game. A free kick was paid to memory. Griffin Logue, the Fremantle player, picked the football up. And Nick held up his hand as if to say, here, give the ball to me, give the ball to me. Griffin mm. thought it was his free kick. He threw it towards Nick. Nick let it fall on the ground. 50 metre resulting penalty. And memory kicked the goal. I enjoyed it. I didn't see anything wrong with it. It happens all the time. It However, was funny because the old throw it to me, then get out of the right. way, let something smash on the floor or hit somebody else behind you. It's an age old gag. Griffin Logue, as it turns out, has only played six games. He debuted this year. He's a young man. Mm. He would be feeling fairly terrible. Well, he would. And there's been some, what I could only call frontline style, disturbing information has come to light. Griffin on the Fremantle website, <laughs> he has his, um, all his information about himself. Best Player profile. Yeah, best moment in junior footy, premiership in high school. If you won the lottery, what would you buy? Favourite food, lasagna. Big boat, house oh. down south. A favourite uh, professional sporting team, the Phoenix Suns. Favourite TV show? Naruto. Naruto. I'm not sure what Naruto is. It's However, a Japanese anime uh, about ninjas. Okay. We need to get him on and discuss that with him at some stage. You need stage. to watch some TV, Grandpa. How, yeah, no, you might be right. Now, the more disturbing information that I'm now going to bring to light, this is a young man in game six. Nick Rewalt says, throw me the ball. So Griffin does it. And AFL club supported as a kid. St. Kilda. <gasps> the oh. player from another club you'd most like to watch. Nick Rewalt. Well, he got to watch him up close. All-time favourite player. Nick Rewalt. Favourite sporting hero. Nick Rewalt. <laughs> so Rue said, throwing the ball to me and Griff's gone, mate, you're my hero? Yeah, this is... I'll do whatever you want. <laughs> I wonder whether Rue had actually gone onto the player profile and knew that he was inside the kid's head. Well, Nick prepares like no other footballer. Yeah. So it wouldn't surprise me if he's been researching his opponents and planned this in advance. I'm going to get what this What a bloke. moment. This is like a perfect storm. The young bloke with all the admiration in the world, finally face-to-face -face with his hero, never gets to pass him the ball, of course, because he works for an opposition side, right. plays for an opposition side. He says, throw it to me. He's like, oh, this is a, an act of love. Here you go. And then watches his hero 
step out of the way, a 50-metre penalty is awarded, and he costs his team the game. The game. What a conflict. Nick what Rewalt. What a conflict. Nick Rewalt will join us next to face these disturbing new allegations. He should hang his head in shame. It's a disgrace. <laughs> Winter <laughs> breakfast, that's what it Forget is. Ali Fayol. It's Nick a Rewalt, we your head. Maddie's match, Richmond versus St Kilda, this Saturday at Etihad. It's become an integral part of the AFL calendar. This year, you can support Maddie's vision by purchasing Maddie's membership. For 50 bucks. your membership will include two tickets, a Maddie's vision pin, shoelaces, and most importantly, your membership will include a $5 donation to Maddie's vision. Jump on the website, www.mrv.org.au. Always a great treat to speak to this man. He's a superstar of the game and a superstar bloke. Nick Rewalt from the St Kilda Footy Club joins us on the line. G'day, Root. Thanks, Howie. Great to speak to you. Maddie's match this uh, weekend, Richmond versus St Kilda. We'll get into the fundraising aspect in a moment, mate, but uh, probably for the first time in the short history of this game, it's a massive game for the two footy clubs because mm. both looking to play finals, which is great news for you. Yeah, it is. Yeah, no, really, really exciting. I guess when, when we first played the game two years ago, there was... Uh, there was a lot um, at stake, I guess, off-field with respect to the reason we're raising money, um, the reason we're actually having the game is to um, hopefully find a cure for bone marrow failure, which which took my, my little sister's life. And, um, yeah, you're right. This year there's there's still that off-field element um, working and at play, but on-field it's it's got huge ramifications, this game, for, for both teams, Richmond um, in their search for a spot in the top four and us um, looking to play finals. So... Uh, expecting a big crowd on Saturday night at Etihad. My word, the jumper looks fantastic. St Kilda will wear a special Guernsey for the match. The red section of the jumper will be replaced with a purple one. And you're setting first time a... in history. Yeah, first time in history. Yeah. It looks brilliant. I saw you picked it in the other day. Um, uh, raising $300,000 uh, $300, what you're hoping to raise for Maddie's match on Saturday. So the most important thing, mate, how can people financially get themselves involved in the game? Well, if, if you come along to the game, we just encourage people to bring a, a purple note, um, purple being the, the Maddie's Vision colour, so a purple note uh, donation, uh, $5 donation, or alternatively, uh, get on to mrv.org.au and you can make donations there. And there'll be a lot of activation at the game too. Um, you know, you mentioned the purple uh, stripe on the jumper that people can buy, the scarves um, that'll be branded purple. Richmond have done something with their jumper as well, which is great, so... Plenty for people to do and see at the game. And uh, footy is an emotional game, and it's lovely at the end of that game. Regardless of who the winner is, uh, for you and Jack to come together to celebrate your sister and, of course, Jack's cousin, Maddie. Um, now, footy is an emotional game. Speaking of purple, we're going to move on to the ignominious finish to the Frio <laughs> Dockers game last week, Rue. Now, now let's How get... are you feeling in retrospect? Let's just paint the picture. Let's get the let's. Uh, Nick uh, had a put his hand up. The ball was thrown to him. Thought it was fantastic. Happens in the game every week. He's using every aspect he can to win the game. Enjoyed it, Rue. However, uh, myself and Moon Man have come. Are you still there, Nick? Or have you hung up on? I'm us? here, mate. No, no, got, no, no, I'm here. Well, some <laughs> disturbing information has come to light that uh, because Griffin Logue, the young uh, debut player, played six games for the Fremantle Lockers. He was holding the ball, and you called for it. Mm. Did you not, Nick Rewalt? Yeah, yeah, I called for it. Yep. Yep. On his uh, bio, now we know you as immaculately prepared, Nick. You prepare better than anyone else in the game. On his bio, AFL club supported as a kid, St Kilda. Favourite player from another club you'd most like to meet? Nick Rewald. All-time favourite player? Nick Rewald. Favourite sporting hero? 
three out of three, Nick Rewald. Were you aware of his love for you, great man, and thought, I can get him and get him royally here because I know how well you prepare. Does it go to this extent? No, it doesn't. Um, no, I'd, I'd like to be able to claim that level of preparation. Mm. But, uh, no, and to be honest, this sort of stuff happens every week um, where, where players you know, try this. But generally, players are, are pretty aware of the rules and, and don't usually fall for it. So that's all it was. Um, you know, I guess that's one of the advantages of having played for 17 years. Hey, mate, I, I think... Game uh, awareness. And... Absolutely. And uh, yeah, as you say, it happens all the time. Um, I think it was the uh, completely right thing to do, and it worked. But we just found it amusing that Griffin loves you, Nick. Griffin loves you. Uh, yeah, well, yeah. You are now going to be... I'm sure you learned something, so... He's you are going to be his waking nightmare. Um, so did you have a word to Griffin right afterwards? Uh, was there a bit of uh, any exchange between you two? Oh, there was just a, a handshake, as usually happens after a game. And you know, good luck mm. to the he was young just... fellow. I know he's in his first year and he's got a long, exciting career ahead of him. So. No doubt he does, and he loves you, usual, which I love. Usual sort of by play. How are you going, mate? Uh, the body's holding up well. You're playing good footy. You're obviously enjoying it, especially with the sniffer finals. It's great. Yeah, it is. It's it's been a while um, for us, but um, you know, in, in between being relevant, I guess, in the competition. But uh, we've been building. Last year, we came, you know, really strong at the, the end of the season, but just left our run a bit late, missed out on percentage. So, yeah, it, it's it's good to be featuring this time of year and you know be in the mix. Uh, so, one of the real positives, I guess, of, of of playing in a season like this, which I've never experienced anything like this. So I think you know, mm-hmm. going into the game two weeks ago, we were a game off. 15th and a game off fourth. It's just um, unbelievable. But um, everyone really has their destiny in their own hands because you're going to play a handful of teams in the run home that are in a similar situation points-wise. So it's it's great for footy. And I think it's it's great for footy fans because uh, unlike you know previous years, pretty much you know 80% of the teams are still relevant with respect to playing finals. And how's your, on a completely different uh, topic, mate, how's your young family going? Uh, fatherhood, how's that all travelling for you? Yeah, really good. Um, you know, James is two and a half and Will's six months, but mm. looks like he's two and a half. So, yeah, we're uh, we're right in the thick of it, but a uh, lot, lot of fun. Um, you know, probably the, uh, the the biggest challenge is the, the long plane flights back to back to Texas for my wife. She went back recently and um, she caught it early. She she was uh, got over, um, no dramas, got back, got to Auckland, and then the last four hours, she said, were the worst of her life. So... Um, yeah. she's uh, yeah, she's doing a great job with the boys. So. When it comes to a young family, I always feel sorry for the washing machine. It does not stop. No, it's yeah. Fisher and Pykel. And you're, you're obviously a modern, a modern father. You're very hands-on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I am. I um, yeah, You mentioned the washing machine. The wheelie bin cops are hiding too. So <laughs> I've got one designated for... Uh, got one designated. We had to go and get another one. So we've got one for just normal, regular trash and one for... Um, yeah, discards yeah. from the boys. Yeah. Hey, and, Nick. It's amazing, isn't it? The uh, volume. Imagine oh, yeah. the, uh, the next-door yeah. neighbours to the Rewalts when that <laughs> bin gets put out on a Monday morning. Matty's match, Richmond versus St Kilda, this Saturday at Etihad. Jump on Matty Rewalt's vision. The website is www.mrv.org.au. Just as we let you go, Nick, obviously um, your sister dying at age 26 with aplastic anemia back in 2015. It must have been an amazing educational process for you. I see you pop up at various hospitals and research institutes. Does it blow your mind what these scientist types can do with their intelligence and how they can help our community? Oh, yeah, it's it's staggering. It's... Uh... Yeah, and I, I guess when Maddie was first diagnosed, we were incredibly ignorant as a family as to what 
uh, bone marrow failure was, what it, what it looked like, how it manifests, whether you're born with it, whether you acquire it. So the learning process we went through over you know, the, the five-year period when, when Maddie was sick and, and, and even more so since, uh, particularly at the pointy end, the research like you've, measured it, uh, like you've mentioned it, it's been absolutely incredible and they just do such wonderful work. So that's why it's, it's so important, um, games like this weekend, from a fundraising point of view, because it's incredibly under-resourced, this area. Um, but you know, in the two years since we've been in, in uh, effect, Maddie's Vision, we've raised $1.6 million, a million of which is out working in research projects so that uh, we can improve treatments, um, improve outcomes for, for bone marrow transplant patients and hopefully find a cure for the, the disease itself. It's something pretty special you're doing, mate. We appreciate mm. your time, your good humour, and best of luck to you and the Saints this Saturday night. www.mrv.org.au. Good on you, Rue. Thank you, guys. Bye. Thanks, Rue. Nice to speak to Nick Rewalt. Uh, this Saturday, Eddie Had Stadium, Richmond versus St Kilda. Maddie's match. Get behind it. Moondog, the big fight, the blow-up uh, about the result is still happening all around the world. Horn over the top of Pacquiao, a unanimous decision. Our man obviously now wears the belt. Uh, this next gentleman by the name of Teddy Atlas, he was pretty fired up in ESPN commentary post-fight. They gave a trophy, a win, a huge win to Horn, the local kid, for trying hard. You're not supposed to get it for trying hard. You're supposed to get it for winning. And I thought Pacquiao won the fight. If you go by the real rules, the Marcus of Queensberry rules, who lands the cleaner punches? Pretty fired up. Pretty fired up, to say the least. And uh, a great voice and a great commentator. Yeah, a wonderful commentator, wonderful special comments, man. We had Danny Green on the show yesterday. Obviously, he sat along Colonel Bob Sheridan in the, the fight commentary, and Greeny thought it was very much a, uh, a reasonably tight fight, but an Australian win. But it continues to bring up the question, how can there be such discrepancies? One judge, 117, 111, and the other two, I think, 115, 113. This is a sport that continually seems to mire in this type of controversy. But also, uh, the, the hit split at the end was uh, Manny Pacquiao... 182 to the hornbag Jeff Horn, 92. Now, in terms of that, that's 90 punches more landed. But uh, the Green Machine, Danny Green, told us that uh, the way it's scored is on who wins each round. Yep. And that's scored out of 10. But still, there's a big discrepancy there. And unfortunately, there's a cloud over the decision. But tell me a boxing decision in the last 10 years that there hasn't been a cloud over. When someone's knocked out, cold. That's it. That's the only Rumble way. In the there, there's so many backstories and just, uh, stories about corruption and this and that. But at the end of the day, Horn gets the result. I noticed a couple of comments being made on morning television in Australia this morning on the various Today shows and Sunrise that uh, boxing should be banned. Surely. Surely, I understand the situation we're in in society that you can't go around whacking, around whacking people, but these two people of their own volition getting into a ring trying to earn a paycheck. Surely. The call for boxing to be banned is such a myopic, middle-class view uh, of the sport when it is still a pathway out of poverty and degradation for uh, people all over the world, particularly black Americans still, and uh, people work struggling in the third world or developing world. Ultimately, it's a racist view to stop boxing. It's you a know, racist view. It is a racist view because people can still win their way out of poverty and uh, suffering through that sport, and it still happens. People who come from deprived backgrounds. 
I, I think ultimately it's such a middle-class, white-bred thing to say, shut up about boxing, move on. Yeah, I think in some ways it's a beautiful Ooh, sport too. Hello. It can be a beautiful sport. What, what are you saying hello about? I got all fired up then. Yeah, you did. Um, yeah, it came it, out. Came to, out. To come out and I'll say that boxing ring. should be banned after watching a fight like that, you know, the bloke's made a decision to get in the ring. And plus, if you look at Jeff Horn's story, it's about a man who, a, a little boy who was bullied, who didn't have the tools to defend himself. His self-esteem was flagging and he went into a boxing gym and he discovered that he had the beautiful art. And uh, it's four fists in a ring. The permutations and combinations of those fists make for an exhilarating sport. It's fascinating. And sure, the guy ends up with a cut to the forehead. Uh, it, the, the mitigating of brain damage has, has gone a long way in, in boxing now. Fights are stopped a lot sooner but than they were previously. But you're making the decision yourself. You, you go in with your eyes wide open. You Absolutely. know the risks associated. And to you try and take all violence out of society is antithetical to who we are as animals. I mean, we need to bump up against one another and it's in the sporting arena. What was that word you just used? Antithetical. You start bringing that to the table and you start to confuse me. Okay. Well, you kind of get the drift, don't you? I'm a sports guy. Right. I'm just a sports guy. (laughs) What was it? Anti what? Antithetical. And antithesis. So there's something that's a thesis and then you... Alex Johnson's on next. It's against our nature. Okay. Alex Johnson's on next to talk about the fact he had five knee Ricos from the Sydney Swans. This is more my wheelhouse. Rico. Anti, anti... You're you're good with a reconstruction? Yeah, Rico. No, Rico. Not reconstruction. It's a Rico. A knee Rico. He's done his ACL. You'll have to keep the two Do you know what ACL stands for? I don't. Anterior cruciate ligament. See, I'm a sports Anterior and posterior cruciate ligament. Right. This is a man who's won a premiership with the Sydney Swans, but directly after that has suffered five knee reconstructions. <sighs> Got back out last weekend to play in the knee for in front of some of his senior teammates. Mm. Alex Johnson joins us on the line now. G'day, Al. Hi, guys. Thanks for having me. How Pleasure. are you, mate? How are you bearing up? More importantly, how are you pulling up from that first game in the knee for last week? Yeah, pulled up pretty well. Um, I've done a lot of training to, to lead up for it, I suppose, and only played about a half of the game on, on Saturday afternoon. So, yeah, I've, I've come through the game pretty well. And looking forward to getting back into training today. In terms of uh, running out on the ground after five Ricos, how, how do you, uh, you know, approach the ball without just being frightened, I guess, of doing it again? Yeah, um, oh, I suppose I've taken a lot of confidence in the work I've done. In terms of the strength of my knee and, um, you know, the contact work I've done at training. So I wasn't, wasn't thinking about it at all. But um, but yeah, I, I felt I felt really confident in it and copped a few hits and stuff and getting those first few out of the way definitely uh, definitely settles the nerves a little bit. It's an incredible number, mate. Seventeen hundred and thirty-six days without playing football. How'd you deal with it? At its most difficult, how did you deal with it and continue to get yourself to training by yourself to do the hard yards? Um, yeah, there's definitely been some, some down times, as, as many people would know throughout long rehabs, but. Um, but just always that goal of getting back and playing footy again. It's you know it's a game I grew up absolutely loving and loved playing. You know my early couple of years with the Swans. So um, that was just a carrot dangled in front of my face. I just really wanted to get back. It was always at the forefront of my mind. And I suppose you know everything I've done over the last few years has has got me to this point. And um, yeah, I wouldn't be wouldn't be here without the hard work that I've put in and, and the commitment I've, I've sort of put into my training and rehab. For the first six weeks of this season, uh, the the Swans would have been an easy side to get back into, uh, zero and six. But now they're hitting some form. They snatched one away from my mighty Bombers uh, two weeks ago, and uh, they're looking good for making the finals. 
Yeah, no, there's no doubt about uh, the fact that the start of the season wasn't wasn't ideal for the boys, especially coming off a, a grand final appearance last year. But I think we just got together after the first six weeks and, and really um, just just stripped things back and, and made it made our focuses more simple. And I think the footy that we've been playing over the last month is is the brand of footy we want to be playing and, and what we want to be known for. We're speaking to Alex Johnson from the Sydney Swans. Al, are you expecting to play this week? Yeah, yeah, looking to play again. Um, you know, all our work wasn't just for one game and then I'll hang the boots up. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, I'll look to, look to run around and play Gold Coast uh, in Sydney at the SCG as a curtain raiser before the, before the ones play, the, play Gold Coast after. So, yeah, looking forward to that and looking to play a little bit more game time and, um, you know, just build it up from there. And obviously the goal is to play senior football. If everything goes well, have you set yourself... And aim down the line? Oh, look, not really. I'm not, not too sure yet. It's more, yeah, everything that I, yeah, all the work that I put in was just to get back and, and play footy. And, and that's what I did on Saturday. Now it'll be a matter of, of building from there. And, you know, it's a bit of a cliche. I'll just be taking it week by week just to, just to see how we, how I cough there and um, how I keep going. Well, it is a cliche, but in your case, Alex, I think it's fair enough to say one week at a time, and uh, we wish you all the best. We look forward to some good footy from you, Alex Johnson. Yeah, no worries. Thank you very much for having me. Really nice to speak to Alex Johnson. 1,736 days. That's a serious commitment to get your body right. Well, that's that right. I mean, he wants the ball, doesn't he? He wants to play footy, and uh, he's back, so good on him. Went to the footy on Sunday, uh, saw the Bombers go down to the Lions, thought I'll try and redeem mm. by listening to Hawthorne Collingwood. Mm. Hopefully the Pies can go down too, mm. take something out of the weekend. <laughs> that's it, that's it. Uh, so, of course, you're doing the call, Hawthorne Collingwood, and afterwards you're speaking to the captain of Hawthorne, Jared Roughhead, and uh, I hear a reference to a player I've never heard before. What's this about? Mate, I'm all good. How are you? How's the penguin? Nah, big penguin's good, mate. Big penguin and the pickle going okay. Thanks for asking. No worries, brother. Now, I do... I have had a clue already this morning who mm. the big penguin might be. Mm. Can you explain to the larger football community and the Triple M audience who the big penguin is? The big penguin is my five-year-old. And at age two and a half, he woke up one morning. I said, come on, Mako. His name's Mac. Time to get out of bed. He said, Dad, I've changed my name. I said, oh, yeah, what do you change it to? He said, it's big penguin. Big penguin. And there's no reason why. I don't know why. He hadn't seen Happy Feet. No, hadn't, he hadn't seen, seen Happy Feet. You Just... sit them down in front of Attenborough documentaries. He hadn't well, seen the King know. Penguin protecting the egg all winter long. I've no idea why he is become the big penguin. To the point, as a three-year-old, you take it through coals and you'd call out Mac, wouldn't answer. You'd call out Penguin, wouldn't answer. You had to go Big Penguin BP. for him to actually acknowledge you. Now, he's become, now, he's achieved a little bit of fame, the penguin. Notoriety. The Hawthorne captain knows mm. who he is. Well, he's involved with my humble little podcast called The Howie Games, the number one sports podcast in Australia. Um, he does a little intro with his sister, The Pickle, at various times. So people actually come up to me on the street that listen to the podcast mm. and say that I don't know. How's The Big Penguin? The Pickle and The Penguin. Do the you pickle live in an penguin. animated cartoon <laughs> no, down the coast, do you, mate? <laughs> yes, something like that. Um, the Pickle and The Penguin. So I'm sitting there uh, yesterday afternoon with The Penguin after we've played soccer, cricket, footy. Been bit of skateboarding, skateboarding, riding our bikes, range. gone through the full eight activities that he enjoys. And he sees the picture of Nathan Buckley on the back of the paper. Mm-hmm. And he said, Dad, who's that? And I said, oh, that's the coach of Collingwood. He said, oh, when I finish playing for Hawthorne, I'm going to coach Hawthorne. Oh. So he's quite confident in his career path. So we, we had a bit of a discussion about coaching um, and first started talking about what he would do. I must admit I taped him illegally at this stage, as you need to do with your kids. What he'd do if he was in charge of the Hawks. If you were the coach of the Pies, what would you do? 
I would say no, but I'm only doing it for Hawks. Oh, you wouldn't do it for the Pies? No. Okay, so if you were the coach of the Hawks, what would you do? I would just handball it to Cyril. Handball to Cyril, that would be your plan. Good plan. That's his game plan. He, he, he wasn't convinced that he needed a coach, Colin, but I said, I'm only going to coach the Hawks. And his game plan is handball it to Cyril. I would say, unbeknownst to the Big Penguin, uh, Clarko would have said that plenty of times. Correct. Three-quarter time, handball to Cyril. But we drilled down a little bit further. I said, mate, it, actually, Clarko's okay. It's Collingwood that aren't going so well. So then the Penguin came up with a four-point plan on how to revive Collingwood's season. And here it is. Here it is. A big peg. Not give it to the other team. Not give it to the other team? Yeah. Mm-hmm. What Not else? let them get the ball. Not let them get the ball? Not let them touch it. Not let them touch it. These are all good plans. What else? So you're talking to your players. What are you going to say to them? Always try and wear footy boots. Always try and wear footy boots. Excellent plan. <laughs> and when the, run, the drink runner can't sing it, Guys, come out. Yep. Always get a drink. Always get a drink. Exceptional. They're good tips. Got anything else for me? Just one more. What was there? One more. Um, when it's half time or something. Yep. Go to the loo. Go to the loo. <laughs> <laughs> can't lose. So drink from the water, guy. Have a wee at half time. Or a poo. Or a poo. Definitely, if you need one. <laughs> now, Colin, if Bucks is listening. That's what you need to do. Now, you called it a four-point plan. <laughs> yes. You've, you've way underestimated it. I have it. underestimated okay. it. First of all, he's very much from the Gene school. Yeah. Points one, two, and three, possession, possession, <laughs> possession. Yep. They've got it, we've got it, or it's in dispute. Correct. Then, wear your footy boots. It's mm, good simple, advice. Simple but effective. Get a drink. Stay hydrated <laughs> and go to the loo, mate. For a wee or... Or a poo. <laughs> At focus, I reckon it, the guy genius. is ahead of his time. Uh, and do you know what I would say yep. to Nathan Buckley, who I have the greatest respect for, one of the champions, ornaments to the game. And I say this as an Essendon supporter, I know he would be a great coach anywhere but Collingwood. The pressure for a champion to then coach a side, it has, has not worked very well in the past. Look at Francis Burke, look at James Hurd. Bossy. You know, the the pressure on that champion and also their knowledge of the club, it's not a great thing. But if he went to Hawthorne, I reckon Hawthorne would see a premiership in three to four years. I reckon the pie should stick with Bucks. He should make one more appointment. The big penguin assistant. Yeah. Get him on board. <laughs> and go to the toilet for a wee or a poo. Uh, Will Anderson just tweeted, great four-point plan from the big penguin. Hashtag always wear your boots. Correct. There you go. The penguin's four-point plan is blowing up the football world. Wear your boots. Make sure you have a wee at half time or a poo. And he was listening to himself. He didn't know he'd been illegally recorded. And how did he react? Well, I don't mind that daddy recorded me because mm. I'm pretty funny. Is his response to the he's entire a, situation. He's a, he's a confident kid, isn't he? He's a confident young You'll man. You need to knock that out of him. If Disturbing he's going to go anywhere. People don't like that. Oh. People don't like people that get ahead of themselves. No, good on you, Penguin. Uh, disturbing penguin. news come to light that you're now going to bring to the table mm. about a, a nasty situation, Lawrence Mooney. Uh, yes, the New Mexico Department of Health said this week that two women were found to have the plague. The plague? Yep, it's back. Bringing the total number of people this year in the state <laughs> of New Mexico known to have the disease to three. Uh, I was first introduced to the plague in year 10. Right. Uh, not the bacterial virus uh, from the Yacina pestis 
Jean, right. but uh, uh, through the writing of Albert Camus and the great book, The Plague, yes. which uh, talks about, you know, the bubonic plague in uh, Western Europe. It's an allegory, of course, for the invasion of the Nazis into Western Europe during the war. One of the great existentialists, Albert Camus. Remember when I told you 20 minutes ago? Just before half past eight on Triple M, I got to say existentialist and allegory and talk about the West European invasion by the Nazis. Remember when I told you 20 minutes ago, I'm just the sports guy? I'm just the sports guy. Yeah, so pull the ute over, (laughs) squeeze that sore satchel onto the pie. And Chico roll, big daddy, Chico in, roll, as I scull the big M on the way home. And enjoy a little bit of allegory talk here the on plague the plague is coming So back. of the diseases that we thought were gone uh, and forgotten, and we can't blame this on the anti-vaxxers of Byron Bay or uh, Brunswick. It's just come back. Now spread uh, traditionally by fleas off right. rats, then biting humans. But of course, it's very... Uh, contagious, it can spread like wildfire. And there's a couple of other ancient diseases that you hear about. A friend of mine last year started suffering from pleurisy. What? Yeah, which is the swollen plurals on your lungs. makes it very difficult to breathe. How do you get that? uh, I'm not too sure how you get it. I think it's, you know, you don't treat a cold with the respect that it's due and you end up with a bit of pleurisy in your lungs. Uh, Rosie, you were, I remember you guys last year were discussing... Scurvy. Scurvy. Yes. Scurvy. You used to get so when you were a... out sailing with Captain Cook and you hadn't had your veggies. For months. So resurgence in uh, Western Sydney, I think was the, the where the hospital was, but they've seen it a lot in patients with diabetes, especially because their wound healing isn't great. Mm. Eat your broccoli and your oranges, please, everybody. That's we... right. A bit of acetic acid, vitamin mm. C, and uh, your green vegetables, a lot of folic acid there. You would know that. Howie, because you, you are a very healthy man. Very healthy. And as you outed yourself on air, you're also fattest. You can't stand fat people. <laughs> I didn't say that on air. You did say so. <laughs> You said it off air. If you're going to out me as an alcoholic, I'm going to out you as a fattest. Okay. This is from a man that told me in the prior ad break. Do you want me to go into this? You can Mr. do what you like, mate. bottle of wine a night? <laughs> bottle of wine if I'm lucky. Crikey. <laughs> Considering Australians, I read from the paper... Uh, your typical breakfast for an Australian, a breakfast of brown toast, <laughs> apple juice and cornflakes, mm. 21 teaspoons of sugar. And that was at the point where you nodded and you said, I'm not proud of this, but I'm fattest. 29 I don't think you're the only one. Uh. I think a lot of people judge fat people as idiots and uh, maybe, you know, there's often medical links, but uh, it's just the way society is. We divide and... Uh, we have our own little discriminations inside, and it's good to be able to talk about them. Off air. Off air. Am I excited tonight? The Seven Network at 9 p.m., a new show called Behave mm. Yourself, which you're on. Right after the grand final of House Rules, of which I've never seen the show, but apparently tonight's the grand final, but I will be tuning in for Behave Yourself. I'm not the host and star of the show. No. That's the man we're talking to right now, live from L.A., Good morning, or what time is it over there? Darren McMullen. Hello there, sir. Good to, good to hear your voice again, Lawrence. It's, uh, it's definitely 1 o'clock. It's 7 p.m. where I am. Right. Oh. Have, you, uh, have you opened a nice shardy? I haven't yet. I'm waiting, I'm waiting until I get off the phone. I thought, you know, do the professional thing. Right. I'll behave myself, and uh, I'll get the work out of the way first. Tell us about the show itself. Uh, behave yourself. As I said, I'm looking forward to it. Lawrence has been talking his performance up all morning. Yeah. Daz, uh, what's the show all about? I'm looking forward to it. Uh, it's, it's all based on a, a, 
a series of best-selling books by Dana Reilly. He's a neuroscientist who kind of collated data from around the world on human behavior, why we do all the weird and irrational things uh, we do as humans. And, and he tries to explain it. So if we made a, a comedy panel show out of people like Lawrence and uh, Jason Byrne and uh, Guy Sebastian, Shane Warren, people from sports, comedy backgrounds, musicians, kind of talk through the information and, and try and work out why we're all so mental as human beings. It's a good laugh. I mean, essentially, it's a quiz show, but it's just it's just great material uh, because everybody watching at home will be able to identify with uh, uh, with some of the irrational behavior. Yeah, so not only a great comedy panel show because you've got a great lineup. Tonight, we, there's myself, Shane Warne, Claire Hooper, Ben Mingay, who played Alan Bond mm. uh, in the Seven series, uh, Emily Tahini, and who else am I missing out there? Kate Langbrook. Kate Langbrook. Sensational. Uh, one of the games tonight <laughs> is the name game where we line up six people. We've got six names and you have to match the name to the person, of course, because I reckon the people are their names. One of the funniest bits of this was at the end, there's a dog comes out and, of course, you have to match the dog to the owner. Oh. And the old thing of dogs look like their owners, of course, it became very funny when the dog turned around and had a massive pink anus and you thought, well, I, I don't want to have to match that with the owner. <laughs> <laughs> all, all, that, all that classic stuff that I just, I hope we can, we can put in the actual show. I mean, it's always disappointing because you film for about three, four hours and a lot of the stuff you're just, you're in stitches laughing so hard, but of course you have to cut it down to 44 minutes, but I think there's still a lot of good stuff in there. One of my favorite bits from this particular show is we had these smelmets so everybody had oh, to, yeah. to, to be inside these big kind of goldfish bowl helmets and and through three of the helmets where we were pumping a really beautiful pleasant smell like vanillas and roses and things like that but through the other we were pumping a smell that was was actually called um bottled flatulence oh, <laughs> yeah, it was... uh, and and, and it, it was all about how you can read people's body language. So the, the, the person with the offending smell had to kind of keep it together uh, for 10 minutes while, while, while people had to guess who had the, the bad smell. But the weird thing about it, and just proving how irrational we are as human beings, when we threw to the ad break, uh, as a joke, I said, oh, does anyone want to smell what uh, bottled flatulence smells like? And everybody in the audience put up their hand and lined up. And we had a huge line of people in the audience lining up to put their head in the helmet and smell bottled flatulence. I finally yeah. understand now Lawrence's role on the show to fill the bottle, and that's why you got the full <laughs> five episodes. Uh, the show starts tonight. Behave yourself, 9 p.m. Channel 7. We're speaking to the host, Darren McMullen. Warney's on tonight. How was the great Shane Warne, Dazzler? He's great. He's great. You know, I never met Warney before, and, and, you know, obviously his reputation precedes himself, and uh, a lot of his bad bad behavior has been quite well documented but he's uh, he, he's such a laugh and he doesn't mind being self-deprecating and uh, and having a go himself either so he's yeah he, he was brilliant one of my favorite segments is not on tonight's show but uh we try and prove what makes you more aggressive is it hanging out with puppies things that are cure things that freak you out like clones so mm -hmm. we we stick lawrence in a in a little playpen full of creepy men dressed as clowns and then Warney's playing with nine of the cutest golden retriever puppies you've ever seen. Uh, and I, w I won't give away the answer, but, uh, yeah, he, he, was, he was a great sport and um, a, a lot of fun. Yeah, there's some really fun games to test, you know, exactly how the irrational brain works. Uh, there's lots of laughs. So there's, there's many elements to the show. In terms of having Warney on, you know, he has done all of the behaviours, but he's quite happy to, you know, be ribbed about it and sent up. So he's a lot of fun. He's a good guy, Warney. 
Uh, and Daz, uh, just before, is, we, before we let you go, you live in Los Angeles. What's it like in, in that concrete jungle? Your man Trump's in charge, so it'd be interesting waking up every day over there, I would have thought. My, my man Trump. <laughs> certainly not my man Trump, that's for sure. Uh, it is, it, it's, a, it's a very strange environment now. I think the people of California are trying to push to, uh, to have their own little uh, country divided from the rest of America. Uh, we might include New York in that for sure. I mean, we could we could happily have New Yorkers, but all that bit in the middle, it's a bit mental in there. It's so seeding. Just just riding the just riding the roller coaster. I'm sure we could do uh, a whole series of the weird and irrational behavior of Donald Trump. He he certainly takes the cake when it comes to bizarre behavior. Yeah, he's not quite presidential, but anyway, uh, behave yourself starts tonight at 9 p.m. on the Seven Network. This man, Darren McMullen, will be hosting alongside Kate Langbrook, Shane Warne, Ben Mingay, Claire Hooper, Emily Tahini, and our man, Lawrence Mooney. Daz, we appreciate your time. Really looking forward to this show. Uh, much success to you, the show, and everything you're involved in. Oh, thank you, guys. Thank you. Hope you enjoy it. Lawrence, we've been discussing the Ali Fayua situation. The AFL diversity manager who was involved in a football incident on the weekend off the third ball incident where he struck for another the year. player. Third incident, the second incident this year. You're of the opinion you should lose his job. I'm I, of the opinion that it is absolutely the wrong thing to do. You want you're going to have a kick of the footy. You don't expect to get belted. Whether he should lose his job about it, I'm not sure. We've put it out one triple three five three, and people have come left, right, and centre to discuss it. Mick from Melbourne, what do you reckon? Hey, go guys. Good, Mick. Yeah. Um, look, I coach under eighteen football. And, but this is assault. This is purely assault. You should, how is it different to a one-punch incident at a nightclub? It's even worse because it's not drowned by alcohol. So you say not only should he... He should be charged. He should be charged, you reckon? Absolutely. It, I, I was a runner in a seconds game about 10 years ago, and I saw a kid get coward punched from behind one of our players... And he's now got permanent disabilities because of some gutless wonder who thought it was tough, who didn't go near the ball all day, but thought it was tough to take someone out behind play. Well, that's the danger, isn't it? When you punch someone like that, you don't know what's going to happen and you can leave them with something permanent. Folks are going to have a kick to enjoy themselves on a Saturday. There's, Mm. you know, I don't want anyone to get confused here. There is no, no... No defence for doing something like that on a sporting field. And I can understand your position. You want to give the guy another chance. You don't want to ruin his livelihood. I disagree. I reckon he should walk. Nathan from Berwick. Moon man, you're spot on, mate. He's got to go. It's just like working for the cancer council when you go out and spark up a dart, mate. Like, what he's done... Like, we've got to remember, this is at grassroots as well. Like, kids are watching this. Like, I know people indirectly that know this gentleman. And off the, off the field, yeah, he's not a bad bloke, but... Yeah, all in all, what he's done on the field is just inexcusable, especially if it's a hot topic at the moment in the AFL. So he's got to go. He's got to do his job for this because you cannot expect to just go on willy-nilly and just pull out some crocodile tears in front of the media and think, oh, everything's going to be mm. sweet. You just can't do that. Like, seriously, we're, we're in a time of 27 where we're not fools. We're not fools. No. Okay? And he's... To me, he's treating everyone like a fool. I don't know. It's just my opinion. No, I think that uh, your opinion is uh, very popular at the moment. That, thanks for that, Nathan. John from Delahaye, what do you reckon? Yeah, Moon Man, I agree 100% with the last caller also. And also yourself, he, he shouldn't, you know, being in that position, he should no way known uh, be able to keep his job. So it's see you later. You know, he should get 10 years for something like that. That's, that's just disgraceful. And as the other guy said, uh, all these young kids watching it, pure on the vision that we saw or I saw, um, you know, inexcusable, lucky divisions there, actually. I think that tells the story. 
so yeah, I, I agree a hundred percent. No, I don't know where how he's coming from. I reckon he's. Uh, yeah, I'm not sure where he's coming from, but uh, no second chances. No, I don't want you to confuse, John. I agree with you. Someone said to me yesterday, he was unlucky that there was a camera there, and I, I made your point exactly to them that I think we were lucky, so this type of thing gets highlighted. I don't want anyone to think that I think this can uh, should happen on a sporting field because I couldn't be more opposed to that. It's, it's whether he should lose his job and his livelihood as a result of that, whether he could go out there and... And make a point of saying how wrong he's been and turn it into a positive. I don't know. As I said, I was a little bit unsure about which side of the fence to sit on with this one, but I could not agree more with you, John, that it's absolutely the wrong thing to do on a sporting field to just go and belt someone or anywhere else in life. Mick from Caroline Springs. We're talking about Ali Fayor and whether he should lose his job as a diversity manager at the AFL. What do you think, Mick? How are we, boys? Good, Mick. Boys, I don't play footy anymore because of that reason. I... I see it too much in footy, in junior footy, senior footy, the whole the whole way across. You know, I played interstate, played sort of, you know, a fair bit of footy in my life, and, and it happens too much. And it, I've got a young family now, and it's just not worth the risk of being out there when people like that are out there. And it happens all the time. So what, a lot of games that go on without cameras, without mm. people watching, and and they don't, it they don't see it happen. So on so field violence like, drove you away from the game. Yeah, basically. Like I'm at, I'm out there just to have a bit of fun and uh, kick the footy with my mates. And uh, don't get me wrong, I'm not I'm not scared of them. I, I can yeah. hold myself in a fight. No, we, we don't. And all that, that sort of stuff. But I'm not out there to do that. Yeah. I'm out there to play footy, and I just yeah, don't see it being worthwhile anymore. Uh, uh, would you reckon he should lose his job, Mick? I think there's a there was, there's a high chance that the the guy that he hit could possibly lose his job because of physical incapabilities in the future. So why not him lose his job as well? All right, Mick. Uh, Mick, who do you support in the footy yourself? I'm the Pies man. Mate, are you going to the footy this weekend or not taking on the Bombers? I'm um, not, but... We've got, we've got a couple of tickets, mate. Collingwood take on Essendon at the MCG. Uh, one double to give away. Bring a blanket to help the homeless through the Magpie Nest program. Tickets from Ticketek. Collingwood v Essendon. I think you should go along, Mick. Good on you. Beautiful. Thanks, boys. Thanks for the call, Mick. Uh, I think that the uh, the court of popular opinion yeah, well, says it's... that Ali Fayor should lose his job at the AFL. And it'd be impossible for him to continue an organisation trying to rub this stuff out on the ground. Well, that's obviously what people think. But gee, it strikes a chord when, when people say they've given up playing footy because they're in fear that something's going to go on no. behind the scenes off the ball it just makes you sick to think that people come out and bring those type of frustrations out onto a sporting field and the potential for permanent damage that's the thing it's got to stop yeah we'll have a quick wrap up next and tell you who's on the show tomorrow winter breakfast i reckon we'll do that now okay rose let's do it now tomorrow on the show the duck wayne carey you're wheeling in your friends yes well i've got to get some guests on (laughs) you could wheel on your friends but we're done by 20 past six melbourne's max gorn (laughs) to join us as well moon man oh gorny uh, he did. He had a, a great game on Friday night. I thought uh, very valiant, but uh, the demons went down. Terrific. Gorney's in tomorrow. And I like that Rosie just wants to get out of here, so just said no, no more breaks, no nah, more songs. I'm done. done. Um, and you're on TV tonight, Moon Man. I am. We haven't even pumped up. Behave yourself. Yes, we, we had did. Darren, Darren McMullen on, on for before. a good ten minutes. Yeah, okay. You claim him as a friend, but I'm not sure about that. Well, what's, it, what's the show about tonight? And what time's it on? It's on at nine o'clock after the final of House Rules on Channel Seven. It's a new comedy panel show all about behavioural science. So it's funny and informative. Sit down with the family, enjoy yourself. Warnie's on tonight. Claire Hooper, myself, Kate Langbrook, 
um, and a host of others. And, of course, a great host there in Darren McMullen. So tune in, 9 o'clock tonight on Channel 7. Look forward to it. Have a great day. Stay safe. We'll be back tomorrow at 6 with the Winter Breakfast on Triple M. All right.